Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Our first programme of uh, 2024. And can I wish each and every one of you a very happy and a peaceful and prosperous uh, new year. And thank you. I can already see some nice uh, WhatsApps and texts coming in uh, wishing us happy new year here at C103. Many happy returns to each and every one of you. And hopefully you all had a nice, uh, happy uh, Christmas. Did you spend it with relatives? Did family come uh, to visit? Was it very relaxing? I think you always hear from people after Christmas oh, it was lovely and quiet and I think that's what Christmas is all about I think it's all about being at home if you've got family to visit uh, it can be even better but it's just about relaxing and chilling out and just um, spending time as I say uh, with a loved one so hopefully you all had a pleasant pleasant Christmas and I'm very much aware of people who would have been on their own and lonely this uh, Christmas and for many we discussed it in the run up to Christmas for many people they couldn't wait for it to be behind them so so people will be glad that we've headed into the new year and Christmas is in the distant uh, past, even though for me, Christmas tree and the decorations and all of that are still up. Your thoughts are welcomed on that. Are you in that camp that has already taken down the Christmas tree and put away all the decorations for another year? Are, are you in the camp that says absolutely no way there are 12 official days of Christmas and we still have until the end of this week up to the 6th before you'd even consider taking down the Christmas tree. Uh, your thoughts uh, welcomed on that as I just think the house seems so empty and so dark when all the lights are taken down and all the Christmas decorations are put away. But as I say for others, they like to clear the clutter and get rid of it and start into the new year with a clean uh, sweep. And, you know, also as we head into the new year, it's also time to reflect on the year that's just gone and there'll be lots across this week of statistics and figures that will come out as we've come to the close of 2023 and the the latest to come out from the Road Safety Authority, they've revealed the most ticketed penalty point offences that occurred across uh, last year. There was over half a million motorists here in Ireland who had penalty points applied to their licences and that was across all of the 26 counties. Dublin had the highest number of drivers with penalty points and I suppose you'd expect that because it's got the highest population of the country. But that was followed by us here in Cork. 61,170 people picked up penalty points last year. Uh, Other counties then to feature high was Kildare and uh, Leitrim. About 854 drivers in the country currently have 
12 points applied to their driving licence. And of course, when you get to 12 points, it means you're automatically disqualified for driving. And that disqualification lasts for six months. If you were one of those um, over 61,000 here in Cork who got penalty points uh, last year, they are recorded on your driver's licence and they remain on your driving licence for a period of three years after which they are then cleared. Now, taking a look at what do people pick up penalty points for, no surprise to read that speeding was the most ticketed offence across uh, the country. 72% of all the total offences by drivers in the state last year was to do with at speeding. Drivers caught speeding are issued with three penalty points. The fine, of course, increased. It's gone up to €160. That if, and it's €160 if you pay in 28 days. If you don't pay within 28 days, that fine increases to €240. Euro. And of course, if it goes to court and you get a conviction for speeding, it's more than three penalty points. You end up getting five. So speeding was the most ticketed offence on our roads uh, last year. Second was caught holding a mobile phone. That was the second most ticketed uh, offence. 64,000 people were caught while driving while on their mobile uh, phone. Unaccompanied learner uh, drivers, nearly 19,000 learner drivers were caught unaccompanied driving, all picking up penalty points for that. The fourth most ticketed offence was driving without reasonable consideration and there was over 16,000 fell under that category. And then the fifth most ticketed penalty point offence recorded by Garthashi Corner last year was failure to obey traffic lights. 11,500 people were caught for this offence and that's people who decide to, they see the light just about to go red and think, oh, I'll just make it through. And unfortunately, they were caught by the guards. Uh, over 11,500 of them, they picked up three penalty points and it's an 80 euro fine if you fail to obey uh, traffic uh, lights. Now Donna Price is the Irish Road Victims Association president and they obviously support families of the victims of road accidents. She's the group and this actually came out before at the beginning of December I think it was she actually had their group are calling for all penalty points to be doubled for every offence. She says there must be a real chance of losing your licence if you continue to break the law. She said at the moment that isn't the case and she says because of that people are taking chances with their own lives but also they're taking chances with the lives of uh, others. She reckons it should be two strikes and then you're off the road where she said at the moment You'd have to be caught uh, using your mobile phone four times before you'd lose your licence and it would be the same for speeding. You'd have to be caught four times and only then would you accumulate the 12 penalty points and only then would you be off the road. So she's saying two strikes and you're out. And if they doubled all of the penalty points, that's what would happen. It would mean if you were caught speeding, you'd get six penalty points caught a second time, that's the second strike, you would be then off the road for six months and it would be the same if you were caught driving while using your mobile phone. Would you agree with Donna Price of the Irish Road Victims Association? Would the doubling of penalty uh, points, would it act as a deterrent? Would it make you stop and think if you'd already got 
penalty points if you thought that you could get six the next time would it actually make sure that you keep an eye on that speedometer and make sure that you are not uh, speeding and of course while the Road Safety Authority are issuing what people got penalty points for uh, last year the Road Safety Authority also issuing what can only be described as devastating and heartbreaking figures on our roads the full statistics are out is showing now almost 20% higher were killed on our roads than the previous uh, year. In all, 184 people died in crashes last year. Now, as we know, at this time of the year, they're just provisional statistics from the Road uh, Safety Authority. But 184 and that is the highest figure since 2016. There was a high proportion of male fatalities and that's a continuation of the trend that we saw the previous year. There's also an increasing number of pedestrian deaths and a high number of fatalities taking place at night and of course at night is when there are less traffic on the roads so you should be thinking we'd be getting less road traffic accidents but unfortunately not. Areas the county that had the most fatalities last year, and that was 16, and that had a lot to do with they had multiple deaths in single crashes uh, last year. We'll remember those from last summer. But then us here in Cork and uh, Dublin, we are the next highest. 15 people died in Cork and 15 people died in Dublin on our roads last year. Now the government is under pressure uh, to take action to try to reverse the trend of these increasing road deaths. And the Minister for State with the responsibility for road safety, that's Jack Chamber. Jack Chambers, he says work is well underway on a number of different uh, initiatives and actually it was just before Christmas they signed signed off on new uh, traffic, uh, they got approval for the government on new traffic legislation which obviously they'll be bringing in uh, to force uh, this year. And the RSA says it's investing in all of their digital channels channels, and that includes things like uh, social media and they're trying to target audiences and push out the message to reach as many people as possible. Now they have a new campaign underway and it is going to run for three months and we're, we are actually in the lead up to Christmas we were running some of those ads. It's encouraging family members and friends to speak up to loved ones about dangerous uh, driver behaviour uh, such as, you know, if you know, for example, that you're a loved one who uses a mobile phone or perhaps you're in the car and you see them using the mobile phone, are they speeding? Are they still failing to wear a seatbelt? They're saying to other people in the family, particularly if you're in the car with that person, asking them, to, you know, to please slow down, make sure the seatbelt is on or put your mobile phone away, please. And later this month, the RSA say that their annual road safety review, and that's when the, the, the official statistics come out, uh, they will also have to identify key priorities for this year along with key government agencies and uh, the and ministers. But you just think of the families this year, the 184 families left absolutely devastated by their loved ones dying on our roads last year. We think of uh, may all of those who passed away, may they rest in peace, but we very much think of their family and friends who head into a new year uh, without their loved ones. The one thing about the new year, a lot of people decide to lose weight or to look at their diet and to look at exercise 
exercise regimes there's always a big push at the start of the year gyms talk to anyone who works in a gym and they'll tell you the amount of people that come in and sign up for the gym and then go back a month later and see how many people are still there if you are looking for any nutritional advice uh, we'll have our first chat of the year with Annalise on the programme uh, today now she'll be joining us before 12 uh, today on the programme so if you have a question for Annalise you can get that into 0818 I was talking about Christmas lights somebody says Patricia Singh as you're on about Christmas lights I've noticed the Christmas lights were not working for the last two nights on the new deer that's on the roundabout in Mallow and also the lights on the bridge at Annabella who would be best to report that to? I'm assuming that's the council. I don't think it's the, the Chamber of Commerce would have, would have put that deer in place. And it's beautiful. It's one of those huge, big a deer, a reindeer. I mean, I'm assuming children are saying it's a reindeer and it's lit up. It's like larger than life size. It's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite lovely to see on the... Uh, the roundabout on the approach into Mallow. I would assume the council get on to the council uh, and tell them and, and even though they're probably aware if they've been if it's been out for the last uh, two nights. And then Kat says Patricia, Happy New Year, many happy returns. Never take the Christmas decorations down before the 6th of, uh, of January. According to Kat, who signs herself Kat the crazy cat lady, it's very bad luck. Mine are still up and they'll stay that way fully lit until after the 6th of uh, January. I'm in your camp as well. I don't know about the bad luck side of it. I just like to leave the Christmas decorations in place. Just before Christmas, South Dock announced the introduction of new service development plans in what it says is a move to ensure the sustainability of the service into the future. To discuss what it will mean for the McCroom South Dock service, I'm joined by local independent councillor Martin Coughlin. Uh, Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning, Patricia. And Happy New Year uh, to you. Same to yourself and many more. Now, there has been a lot of uncertainty in the area about the future of the South Dock service in McCroom, but it's been confirmed. It will remain an appointment-only service. Do you still have some concerns about a statement like that? Well, um, I'm I'm glad to hear that it's going to remain as an appointment-only, but in McCroom it has been by appointment in here with a long, long time, you know. If you if you want the service of South Dock out of ours, uh, you have to make an appointment. You you, you ring Killarney and uh, they'll put you on hold maybe for an hour and, and then uh, they get back to you and uh, you might be looking to get an appointment. The biggest problem, a worry I would have is that, is that some of the appointments could happen in Bandon or Conceal. And, you know, not everybody has transport and, uh, you know, especially... Mothers with young babies and things like that, you know, it's a constant worry for them. So it's it's just disappointing that that a service that which was which was when it was set up was a fantastic service, and and don't think that I that I I'm mourning or groaning, but it was a fantastic service to have. Now I I brought up this at the monthly meeting of the McCroom Municipal District in September, and we wrote at that time to South Dock Killarney headquarters and they wrote back saying that uh, these services is, 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 is rotated on a two-month service and that the McCroom had a two-month service ahead of it and it had no problem. So um, the, the next meeting, the next meeting, I, I plan to, to bring it up again to see where we were at. 
So that's that's all information I really yeah, have. On it, yeah, yeah, and know. and when you when you say you know you for appointment only only you have to ring, and and I think that's yes. every South Dock service the same. You have to ring. Yes. Are, are you hearing? Does it happen very often that a patient would be told, "Well, the only South Dock appointment that's available to you is either Kinsale or Banton." Yes, I've been told that on numerous occasions. And you're talking about it's out of our service, so it could be the yes. middle of the night. If you're very unwell, I'm thinking of an elderly person. Yes. That's that's not an easy ask when no, you're no. feeling sick. No, and some people have told me that they have been advised to, you know, if they are very sick, they have been advised to go straight to any, you know. And we uh, and we know yeah. the we we know the problems that are already in A and E. That's not the yes. answer either. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, and um, it's 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 worrying. It's, it's like I mean, it's very worrying for for elderly people, and and it's it's worrying for young people too. I mean, if you have a, a baby of six months or something, yeah, like yeah, and you're in a like, panic. You're yeah, in a panic yes, with a high temperature. Yeah, yeah. That's now, Southstock are saying that they are now at a real pinch point. They have 40% more appointments with a reduced number of GPs. And this is where the problem lies. Is, yes. is it now up to the government, the, the Department of Health? Like, who is now responsible? We need more GPs in this country. Well, there's no doubt about that. And that doesn't to the area, so that, 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 that that's news. I mean, I can remember back years ago, people talking about uh, 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 watching television programs and things and all, and, and discussions between TDs and, and the head, uh, doctors uh, coming on board and saying that it's very hard to keep doctors in rural areas at the moment. And that is a fact. Uh, obviously, um, a lot of our doctors, uh, you know, uh, people coming out of college and things like they see an opportunity abroad and things and they're heading abroad for better, for their consider better conditions. So I think that the, the governments really need to step up to the plate and, and sort this out once and for all. That, that, like, there, there, is a, there are plenty of doctors being educated, plenty of nurses being educated. It's just a case of making the conditions right that they will see all at home with us, you know. Yeah, and I know uh, I was looking at stats over Christmas, like 25% of our current GPs, the ones who are working, are over the age of 60. So, yes. you know, that's 25% of them. We can't expect these doctors to continue working when they reach retirement uh, age. Many of them just want to uh, retire. But I think you've uh, got, brought up the additional issue. It's hard to attract GPs to rural areas. Very hard. And it, 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 that's understandable to us, mostly. You know, but uh, at the same time, I think if conditions are right and, and uh, you know, there, there, must be, there must be ways around it. Uh, I'm not a professional, but there must be ways around it. Uh, there must be ways of securing that the doctors and nurses that we educate in this country, that we keep try and keep them in this country, make, make conditions so, so that they will stay with us and, and work with us. Because if this keeps going on, Patricia, I don't know where this is going to end up. Like, you um, here in the in, 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 we'll open cool area out in, in some country area and somebody is very sick belong to a, a 12 o'clock at night and there you are like what you're going to do traumatic care and head for head yeah. for any where they could be sitting there for another 24 hours something has to be done yeah. I don't know what is the answer to it but I mean we have ministers for help coming up with they're all saying they're going to cure the problems and things like that but it's not being cured it's getting worse and like now we have a lot of Ukrainians and, and, and migrants in the country and you know, we we need to, we really need to do something. 
uh, to, to sort out the situation. I don't know what exactly what, but something needs to be done. There has to be, like there's money being thrown at the thing, hand over fist, but it's not curing the problem. Certainly when it comes to, to the Department of Health, our, our health budget gets higher yes. every, every every year. year. Uh, and yes. yet every year we seem to be discussing the very same uh, problems. And we uh, we know, because we've heard about it on this programme from so many other towns, that there's a shortage of GP practices and people can't register with the doctor. It's one of the reasons, I think, that when South Stock say they have 40% more appointments, I'd love to know what percentage of those appointments are from people who can't get a doctor during the day and then they have to wait yes. for six o'clock to come to ring uh, South Dock. Is, is, there, is that a similar problem in McCroom? Do you hear of people t- just trying to register with a GP can be difficult? Yeah, I, I had one there a couple of months back and um, he, uh, he failed to he failed to be, sign on with any of the doctors here in McCroom. Luckily enough, uh, after, uh, I think it was after I visited South Dock actually, that um, a, a doctor that was working there from outside of McCroom and took him on, took him on. Otherwise, he would, he would be without a doctor. You know, it's crazy. That's a, just yeah, a, cra- yeah. a crazy situation. Okay, yeah. um, all right. Uh, certainly, a lot more work has to be done uh, here. But for now, the GP, the South Stock service will remain in McCroom. But yes. as, as you say, you got to keep a, a close eye on it. And just uh, before I let you go, I mean, the McCroom bypass did it make a big difference over Christmas for the traders and for local people coming into town to shop? Uh, without doubt, McCroom McCroom was it was just overflowing with people. That's all I can say for the for the Christmas shopping period. I mean, I, you, you, I went into a couple of the local supermarkets, like, and you're standing five, six, seven deep to a trolley. No, I do believe like that in in, in Duns and McCroom. Um, I heard from a fellow that that he was talking to a manager that that the manager told him that there were up a thousand customers a week. Since the bypass opened, oh my now, goodness! That is, that I, I, no, I do believe the man that told me because yeah, he, yeah. he's not—he's not a man to be exaggerating. And you know, it is, it is, um, I mean, and you can see, like I—I I can actually see it myself. Like, uh, no, we, we we thought that when when the bypass had opened, that when you'd head up McCroom, that you'd be able to pull in and get a parking space and things like. But no, you you can't because there's extra people in town and you, you know uh, we, we have a we have a situation where we do really need to be looking at uh, making more car space available yeah. because you know uh, we don't want to turn these people back out of the but town it, but it's now become a pleasure to go into McCroom to socialise or to shop whereas before you had that dread that if you were heading to McCroom you'd be just stuck in this long line of traffic that's right that's right, and and the people will tell you that. Like, it is a. Pl- I know it myself because I've been driving up and down the town a lot, and you know it's a pleasure. Now you just it's great. If you have to go to the Clarny Road, you'll take two minutes. It often took me twenty minutes to get there. You know, God so and uh, God uh, knows, people waited long enough for that bypass. That is, that is indeed. <laughs> that is indeed. So you know, and uh, it's it, it's it's uh, it, it's well, you know, it's here, and we're we're very thankful for no, it. Fantastic, a fantastic. All right. All right, listen, Martin, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining Thank us on you, the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, McCroom Independent Councillor Martin uh, Coughlin on the future of the South Stock Service in the McCroom uh, area. Hi, Patricia. It's the same in Charleville. Very hard to get appointments at your local doctor and you're even told to go to the A&E department and most people, including the Department of Health, tell people to avoid the A&E department unless it's absolutely uh, necessary. 
necessary. I mean, people who need to get to see a GP know themselves. They just need to see the GP. They don't need to be blocking up at the A&E uh, department. And, you know, we have this more stats out uh, today from the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation showing the number of people that were on trolleys last year. And part of that has got to do with the people heading into A&E who don't really need to be in A&E. But let's go from a topic of human health to uh, a topic that's affecting animal health because an outbreak of TB in the West Cork area has been described as one of the biggest in the area in years with around 180 farms now facing restrictions. To discuss what it means to those farm families, I'm joined by Donal O'Donovan, who is IFA Cork West uh, Chairman. Uh, Good morning to you, Donal. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, have you any understanding, Donald, as to why West Cork is having such a serious outbreak of TB? Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you. Many happy returns. Um, Look, look, it's a very difficult time, uh, frustrating time for farmers when a TB outbreak occurs on the farm. And look, this outbreak, as you have said, is affecting probably 180 farmers. Look, there's 20 or 30 of them with with, with, uh, restricted herds at the moment. Um, look, this is an area where you have uh, a lot of the farmers haven't had it before. It's their first time having it, many of them in 50 years. Uh, many of the farmers have successors in place on their farms, which is very welcome. But the downside of that is that they have a lot of money invested in facilities and, and repayments are there. And look, I suppose on the human side, it's a very tough time of the year for to get bad news in relation to TB on farms because it's coming up to Christmas. Um, look, I suppose to understand TB, I think that the, the, the testing system is, is uh, it's 7 billion cattle are tested every year. It's not that you, you ring the vet and you say, look, I have a sick cow come out and see her. Look, every animal is tested every every year in the country under, under the national eradication scheme. And, and in this situation, uh, cows started going down in, in, on, in herds in the mid, mid-summer. To get cleared, then you must have two two um, tests of 60 days apart. Uh, a lot of the herds before Christmas were getting bad results. Look, the skin test is the f- first way it's, it's detected. Uh, and you have your test, say, today and in three days from now on, on the Friday, it could be red. And, and if there's a lump, it, that's classed as being a, a cow with, with, with TB. And um, then if you have more than 5% of your heart go down, then the next time it's, it's a blood test. And we're seeing in this situation in the league where, where you have cows, maybe four or five in the first test, in the skin test, but you have multiples of four or five. You could have 20 animals in the, in the blood test, which is most unusual and, and very, very distressing for the farmers, uh, especially coming up to Christmas. A lot of these results actually were were given out the week prior to Christmas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, it, very, it very is, and, and, you know, the, the, the way you're talking about numbers there um, and the farms haven't seen anything like this uh, in many, many years. And look, for some, it's, look, it's their first time. In other parts of Cork, we've seen, we've seen uh, down in East Cork and Connor, maybe three or four years ago, we had a similar case. And it, and again, it, it um, through testing, it, it was eliminated. But, but um you, you must remember that not alone are the, cow, the cows, whether they're suckler cows with beef animals or whether they're dairy cows at present, they're very heavy in calf. They're due to calf in the next two or, two or three weeks. And those cows have to go to the factory now. And not alone are the cow going, but the calf is going. And the production of their milk or, or their beef for the year is also, is also going with them. So any farmer that is tied up in this situation at the moment, they won't be clear again until midsummer, And that's the time of year where there are no available stock to buy. So, in effect, they're out of production for the year. 
and and look, it, it's look. I suppose we was think about TB too as being a human disease. The whole eradication scheme came in back in the 60, 70 years ago because of a human outbreak, and, and we must be very conscious of that. But also, when a lot of the animals go to the factory at the moment, they come back as as clear, no no visible lesions. When when there's a postmortem done on the on the glands of the intestines and and the lungs, but that doesn't mean that. They don't have TB in the sense that they, they were exposed. The very fact that they they showed up as 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 reactors uh, meant that they were exposed to TB. And as was this time of the year again, animals are being housed. They're in close contact with one another, and, and they're picking up the disease. Is it highly but contagious? It is, it is. It seems to be pretty contagious. I suppose intensification in dairy herds, especially, seems to be more common in dairy herds than beef herds. Look, I suppose to understand TB, you must look at the wildlife. And I suppose the badger is and has always been the animal that was associated with TB. Um, look, I suppose the animal to, to all of us, they're a protected species. Uh, they, they travel out by night. They like rooting for, for uh, earth, earthworms. Um, look, I suppose they, they live in sets. So they live in a, a family of probably two to ten in a set. Uh, they're very... Um, you know, they, they follow the same route when they're foraging or whatever. They, they're very sedentary animals that way. Um, and I suppose during the year, they have one to five babies or, or, or cubs, as they're called. Um, but um, look, if you have a good good uh, history with, with, with TB and you, have, you see badgers in your area, leave them alone because they're not interfering. But there's always a case of bad badgers in an area. Mm. And this, I suppose, was, was brought to... To our focus, maybe a couple of years ago, there when um, the roadworks on the McCroom by- bypass were being carried out, I suppose they were probably going through sets and upsetting the the badger settlements, and the bad badgers were coming out, and uh, there was a big spike in TB in that general area around McCroom there for for a while. Um, again, if there's a lot of forestry being taken out, trees being cut down, and if there's sets in those forests, it disturbs the wildlife. The, the badgers in those areas and, and they tend to go out. They move on and, and then if they're carrying TB, they'll bring the TB with, uh, TB. Uh, with the, them. The badger and the bovine and the cow actually are the two animals that seem to interact in relation to TB, um, unfortunately. Um, you are, I know I the IFA, you're, you're, you're seeking to meet with the Department of Agriculture to discuss what's going on in uh, West Cork. What are you hoping or what will you be asking the department to do for the farmers affected? Look, we have met with the department, and uh, look, look, it's not easy for the vets or, or, or the department either. And look, when my own vet comes testing, and if we have a reactor on our farm, he's as disappointed as I am. So, it, from, from the, their point of view as well, and especially in an outbreak like this, uh, they, they wouldn't have the resources in, in, in West Cork to deal with because they have so much extra testing to do at the moment. So, look, we, we, we would look, I suppose, the first thing from a farmer's point of view, look, they've issued 180 letters to farmers in, in, in that area in the past couple of weeks, uh, look, asking the farmers to identify badger sets in their area, uh, which is very important to do. Um, and look, go out, go out with the wildlife officer from, from the department and, and help them to, to find those sets, because I think that's the first the first way of, of, of acknowledging the, the situation. Um, look, I suppose... We, Look, I suppose the farmers have a lot of questions, especially when it's, when it's their first time. Look, there's questions in relation to compensation, even though at the moment uh, the compensation for the animals is based on the current market value of the animal. And, and, um, and 
results from ICBF uh, performance results from from them uh, as well. Um, but and I suppose another thing that seems to be coming up a lot as well is, is deers. A lot of farmers are asking, look, are deer deer carriers of TB? And are look, they? We had a situation. Well, we had a situation in Wicklow, and it's probably still ongoing, where there was a huge outbreak, and it was related to back, back to deer when when they were when their lungs and were postmortems, there, there was TB found in them. Uh, look, was fellow deer are up that part of the country, the deer that are down in West Cork, and they're very common, as you see. I I, I travelled the road there twice over Christmas, and I've seen three dead deer along the road, uh, and that's causing a huge a huge problem for for, for everybody, for yes, for motorists and everybody. Um, and but, we know that the deer, their habitat was disturbed because of the McCroom bypass. The, it was disturbed, and it was also disturbed. I suppose the big, the biggest one here was probably the forest in the Killarney National Park. Yeah, yeah, a of, yeah. A lot of the deer were driven out of of there, and and look, they they can move, they can travel, and this was the South Faraway hills being greener, and when they found nicer grass and whatever, they came they came further south. And look, I live outside Dunmanway myself, and there's quite a lot of deer on my own farm. Look, there's no time I wouldn't walk out. This time of the year, and I'd see uh, deer, deer footprints on, on the roadways or whatever, you know. So they're 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 everywhere at the moment. Look. So does that need to be looked at as well in case it is the deer population? Well, look, I, I've done a lot of look since this outbreak started started a couple of months ago. I've spoken to a lot of people on all sides on this, and I've spoken to a lot of people that shoot deer that have a license to shoot shoot deer, and they would have told me down through the years that. They can they can uh, identify TB in the in the deer when they when they're doing the postmortem, and they haven't seen any huge huge amount of of, of TB in 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 the in in the lungs of, of deer when they, when they, when they're dead. So um, we have to take that at face value. But I think mm. I think any deer that's found on the side of the road, I think they should be they should be checked out. Uh, and, and to see and just test it even yeah and the, the Department of Agriculture Donal has proposed to eradicate a TB by uh, 2030 which is now only six years away is that possible? I think it's very disappointing in the sense that it's it's going the wrong way at the moment look at the start of this year we had 4.1% 4. which is about 4,200 herds infected it's almost at 5,000 this year, this year at the end of this year which is going the wrong way at 2018 five or six years ago it was much less look I suppose it's a disease of intensification and I suppose look certainly in the dairy side of things things have gotten more more intensive um, look it's it's important I suppose as other measures you Look for farmers to carry out on their farms. One one of those would be to to raise water trucks on their farms. I was talking to a farmer recently. He had fifteen cows or heifers in the field, and they were tested, and and eight of them went down. And when, when the wildlife man from from um, the department came out, they they examined that paddock, and there was a, a water truck against a, a bank and, and the badgers were, were, were able to come down and, and do do their thing uh, in the water truck and, and like, like it was very evident that, that that was the result of that of that outbreak. Yeah. Um, look, I okay. suppose good fencing neighbours is okay. very important and, 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 and just uh, finally, uh, because your, your, your phone is just breaking up uh, slightly, Donald, um, would you worry about the stress that an outbreak is putting on a farmer? I mean, both financially and, and, and the, 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 medic, the, the mental and psychological effect of having an outbreak? Well, well when I speak to farmers, that, that is actually the first thing that comes up. Uh, look, I, th- I know it's a cliche, but I, I always say myself, it's good to talk. I think it's very important to talk. I know what the story is bad for them, but I've been on the phone nearly two hours with a lot of those farmers there before Christmas, 
and they just wanted to tell their story and, and look it, it is good to talk and look it, it has to have a huge effect because many of these farmers have invested in in the breeding of their animals we we as i say we love our far, our animals like our family um like some people will say, oh, it's it's outside the door, it's good. But it's, it's different when you're a farmer. You have to be a farmer to understand the importance of, of the whole animals to, to us. Look, at Christmas, I give my animals an extra bit of silage. I give them an extra <laughs> bit of feed, like like her own yeah. Christmas dinner. So, like, that's the way we, we think I know, about her. I know, I it's, know. It's devastating. It, it really is devastating. OK, listen, Donald, no doubt. Um, it is unfortunately an issue we will return to. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Not at all. Not Good at all. morning Thanks to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Donal O'Donovan, who is uh, chair of the IFA Cork uh, West. And actually, just on uh, farming, uh, a text in from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from a listener who said, uh, Chagas encouraged farmers to produce more milk when quotas were abolished. Farmers increased the amount of dairy cows to an unmanageable level, according to Joe. Thus, we now have major animal health problems. Lower stocking rates on farms is the only way forward, reducing the pressure on both man and beast. We were discussing TB in the last hour and in particular that there's been a very serious uh, TB outbreak on farms in the West Cork area and um, our thoughts are with the farmers. It's causing huge, huge stress levels for them. But somebody's saying it's no wonder that there has been an increase in TB. Now, according to this listener, there's no name on this text, there was a new law brought in last year whereby you can take a cow to market without having a TB uh, test and then the farmer who buys the cows, the cow then or the cattle has two months to test. This listener feels it should be tested before going to mart. At the end of the day, when you bring a cow to mart, it can be mixing with anything up to 8,000 uh, cattle and when, when I was speaking with Donald O'Donovan from the IFA he was saying how contagious it could be so one listener is pointing to some new rules or regulations that were brought in that you can bring a cow to mark, mark without it being testing and I'm assuming that you say that it was a new law that prior to that they must be tested 0818-103-103 and hi to Michael in Castletown Bear in with a WhatsApp this morning saying welcome back after all the festivities and we welcome in 2024 hoping that it will be much more peaceful than 2023. Now 2024 said Michael appears to be a very busy and it'll be an interesting year. We've got many elections and we've got referendums as well uh, taking place. There'll be highs and lows There'll be winners and losers by the end of this year. There'll be sad stories as well as joyful ones. I kind of say, Michael, let's hope that there's more joyful ones than sad ones. Anyway, Michael says, we've already been given some sad statistics at the start of the year that I mentioned at the top of the programme, and that's on the road death figures for 2023. But yet, says Michael, there's still only provisional figures for suicide deaths for 2022, which are, by the way, shockingly high. But we don't have anything or any indication on the figures for 2022. Why is that and why does it get so little attention? Every life is as important as the next. And and you're right, we always focus on the number of people that have died on our roads. We'll talk about it every month of this year and as we did last year. Uh, as we were coming to the close of last year, we knew the figures were going to be high, higher than the previous year, years. And we don't put the same amount of attention on suicide uh, figures. Michael uh, is right. And why? I, and I don't know why it always takes so long for the figures to come out 
on the number of people that have died uh, by suicide. And I know at times that it is hard for a coroner to decide if it was a death by suicide uh, or not. But you're right, every life is is as important as the next. And Michael Enzi's text was on the brighter side. He wants to wish everyone a safe and a happy 2024 with many interesting stories to come from both home and uh, abroad. And indeed, many happy returns to you, Michael, and hope you had a lovely uh, Christmas as well. 0818103103. Now, Eddie was at Mass over Christmas and he said the priest asked everyone to offer the person beside them the sign of peace. But what Eddie was surprised by was people started to shake hands. He was surprised as it hasn't happened in years now. I think it was the COVID really, wasn't it? The pandemic that stopped the shaking of hands at Mass. Anyways, but Eddie's point at the moment is there are so many flus and there's so much RSV and can I say there's still a lot of COVID around uh, as well. He was surprised to hear the priest say to the congregation, please offer the person beside you, the, the, your sign of uh, peace. And Eddie says, if you go to a funeral at the undertakers, they'll always have hand sanitizer at the door as you go in and as you go out, getting people to hand sanitise. Whereas when you're at mass, uh, they're, they're not offering hand sanitizers uh, to people. Did that happen at a lot of other masses, uh, particularly at Christmas? Did you offer the sign? Did the priest ask you to offer the sign of peace? And if so, were you worried, as Eddie was, with the amount of bugs and viruses that are doing the rounds at the moment. 0818-103-103. Staying on Christmas decorations. Martin is in Skibbereen. He heard me say, I don't take the decorations down until after the 6th of uh, January. Martin says, unfortunately, he's in a household where all the decorations were taken down. They took them down last uh, Saturday. He said, if we didn't do it, they'd be up until February. The reason why we are both working, two working parents, we have two children and it would be impossible uh, to take them down. So we took them down while we were still on our Christmas break. Other than that, as I said, we wouldn't be able to find time until February. And listen, I absolutely appreciate that. There are people and it literally is time constraints is the reason that they take down the decorations early. And as I mentioned, when I was discussing them earlier. There are uh, people who just like them gone as soon as Christmas is out of the way. They want to get the house back to as normal as possible and they want to take down all of the decorations. But Jackie's in Two-Pot House and is a little bit like me. She describes herself as a Christmas freak. Jackie says, it takes nearly the full month of December for me to put up all of my decorations. So it will take most of the month of January to take them all down. But the really good part is, once I have them all taken down and put away, it'll be nearly spring and that certainly is something to celebrate as from Jackie in Tupac House. So if you call into Jackie at the end of January, there'll probably still be the odd few decorations hanging around you and if you put up a lot of decorations it will take quite some time to take them all down. Liam, this is on hospitals and this is to do, I take it the piece, it's Philney Hay is on our news uh, today of the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. She's just talking about you know what we need to do to try to get nurses and midwives to stay in this country to get the ones that have gone away to get them to come back and I suppose to stop others from uh, leaving and we know that certainly uh, Australian hospitals and hospitals across the UK are putting big, big push on and they do advertising campaigns. I know the Australian 
hospitals had billboard campaigns close to a lot of our Irish hospitals last year encouraging nurses to move to Australia and they put really good packages in place you know they give them relocation money to help cover the cost of going to uh, Australia and many nurses who go to Australia say they have a much better work-life balance than they have here so you can understand why people go but we have a problem now that we don't have enough nurses and midwives in our hospitals so Phil Hay is on from the INMO saying you know the government needs to do something Uh, Liam says a point, Patricia, that's often been brought up on your programme surely has got to be given very serious attention. All of those nurses and doctors, and indeed everyone across the various health sector, all of those are trained here in this country at the taxpayer's expense. They should be forced to remain for at least the first two to three years and then give them the option to uh, travel. What we're seeing at the moment is a number of our health professionals are qualifying and as soon as they're qualifying, they're getting on a boat and a plane and they are leaving the country. That is not fair when they get their education by the Irish taxpayer. And it has been mentioned before and it does operate in other countries that once somebody's qualified, they must stay in the country and work within the health system, within the public health system. And it's done kind of as a way, as a payback, like, you know, the taxpayer, the government funded your education. So as a payback, you need to work within the public sector. Never heard it been mentioned or brought up here. And maybe it is something that will be looked at, particularly as we're getting to a crisis level when it comes to nurses and midwives in our hospital, also our doctors, We only spoke about the lack of GPs this morning when we did our piece about uh, South Dock. So yes, maybe it is something that they will look at. We mentioned the McCroom bypass when I had uh, Martin Coughlin on talking about McCroom South Dock and I asked him, you know, did the bypass make a difference to shopping in McCroom this uh, Christmas? Well, that prompted Cathy in Kilmurray to say, "I she always used to love shopping in McCroom, but because the traffic got so heavy prior to the opening of the bypass in recent years, Cathy said she ended up getting anxiety attacks when she would go to do some shopping in McCroom, particularly when she was trying to pull out of junctions or shopping centres. So she started shopping in Balancolic, which she says, by the way, is another fine shop town. But now with the bypass in McCroom open, I've gone back to doing my shopping there. I have to say it is an absolute joy. Plus, Cathy has noticed there's a lot of smaller coffee shops and boutiques. They have a lot to offer. So she says the bypass is a huge benefit for anyone who wants to consider McCroom as your shopping town. And Irene in Bandon, when they heard me mention about shopping in McCroom, she wants to highlight small local independent shops. She said many of us go into cities or go online or go to some of the larger stores to buy items and we're of the belief that we'll be saving money and it will be cheaper. But this year, Irene decided to do a lot of her shopping in Bandon and in Clonakilty and she was taken aback at the smaller shops that she decided to go into. She found some wonderful quality, be it in clothing. And she says, while... And a lot of because of the quality of the clothing, she says a lot of it will last uh, longer. She also could not believe that the price difference, there was little or no price difference. She said, if I purchased any of the similar items at a large department uh, store, I wouldn't have been getting it for much cheaper. So I would encourage people to shop around and don't think like many of us have done in the past, that the bigger department stores have the cheaper options. You will get much better quality with similar prices, she reckons, by shopping. 
shopping with your local independent uh, stores. Uh, well said, uh, Irene. Continue to shop local. Thank you for that. And John Paul also says there was a few people on about the fuel allowance and wondering when is the second lump sum payment for the fuel allowance being paid out. It's been paid out the first week of January, so I'm assuming this week, as we're in the first week of January, when you go to pick up your social welfare or if you get your social welfare paid into your, your bank account, then your second lump sum will be paid out, which is for, worth €462 Euro. for those that are getting it weekly. It continues at €33 Euro a week for another 14 weeks. And John O'Donovan from the city was on about uh, an issue, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. And this is to do with with people who decide to wear pyjamas when they are out and about. It became quite common. Ah, Is it the last three or four years people have started wearing pyjamas when they're popping to the the shops rather than getting dressed? They've got warm pyjamas on so they jump into the car or they might just run down the road to the local convenience store or we've even heard of people turning up to get their hair done at the hairdresser while still wearing their pyjamas. Now John says there is a store in the north side of Cork City that have put up a post lately saying to people, please do not come into our store wearing your pyjamas. So they're refusing to serve people who wear pyjamas when they turn up at this particular shop. John feels that by putting up a sign like that, it is class distinction. He says it doesn't matter. He feels it shouldn't matter what people are wearing Once they have the money with them to pay for an item, then you shouldn't be looking at the type of clothes they are wearing. John says some of the people don't wear pyjamas that they wear to bed. They wear designer ones that they have specifically bought for wearing outside. He was in a store over New Year's and he says a person in front of me was in her pyjamas. He said it didn't worry me in any way at all. So he said, why are store owners concerned about what people are uh, wearing? And I've seen stores say there's a hygiene issue because I think they're of the belief that people who turn up in their pyjamas have slept in those pyjamas the night before and didn't get out of bed and change into a new pair of pyjamas. I suppose the theory is if you were wearing a pair of pyjamas going to bed and you got up the next day and you were planning on doing some shopping and you took them off, surely you would put on outside clothes rather than putting on another pair of pyjamas. So I suppose the store owners are of the belief that the pyjamas you turned up in to do your shopping were the ones you wore the night before and people think that's a hygiene uh, issue and you shouldn't be wearing them out to the shops. Anyway, your thoughts on that? How do you feel about people wearing pyjamas? I thought, as I say, it became in vogue maybe three, four years ago. Then I kind of thought it had died off. I hadn't seen many people out and about in pyjamas. But I have to say, I, I did notice or in the lead up to Christmas and certainly between Christmas and New Year, I did see a number of people. I saw a woman at a petrol station get out of her car, fill up her tank of petrol and, you know, was heading into the shop and she had pyjamas and she had her dressing gown on her and her slippers. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> each to their own, I suppose. But obviously at that particular garage, she was allowed to go in and pay for her petrol and there wasn't any sign up saying you mustn't wear your pyjamas. So how do you feel if you see people out wearing pyjamas or are you one of those people who wear pyjamas when you're out and about and if so why do you do it? 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Nazareth House Nursing Home they are looking for a multitask assistant it's to work in laundry catering and the dining room now full training will be provided CVs please to HR dot mallow at nazarethcare.com 
Baker Finn are recruiting for van drivers. It's to cover the Cork and Kerry region. Email d.delaney at bakerfin.com. Tria Oil Products say have a vacancy for a truck driver. It's for rigid and arctic deliveries in the Clonakilty and Bandon areas. Email careers at tria.ie or phone own at 87 7717036 and a construction worker is wanted for industrial pipe insulation in the Cork County areas. CVs to mullenowen1 at gmail.com You'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. In the lead up to Christmas, we featured the story of Mark Bulger from Baltimore, who was definitely not planning a lazy festive season as he was about to undertake what is described as the world's toughest row across the Atlantic. To find out how Mark is getting on, I'm joined by his uh, dad, uh, Charlie Bulger. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Now, we last uh, featured you when you were talking about Mark as Mark was about to leave the Canary Islands. That was on the 13th of December. So he's been rowing for about the last uh, three weeks. How has it gone for, for, for him? Uh, it's gone very well so far. They... Uh, the, the whole thing about this row is to get into the trade winds, what's called the trade winds, which is basically the route Christopher Columbus took, in fact, to go to the Americas first. He left from the exact same town. So the trick is to get south into the trade winds and get away from the sort of messy winds that could be against you, uh, which would be on the direct route to Antigua. So you've got to go a kind of a circle or an arc. And that's a bit messy. And they, uh, they've got through that. And really now it's kind of point straight at Antigua and uh, hopefully have the wind and the waves behind you, but not too much. Uh, in terms of how they've got through that messy stuff, they, uh, they did a lot of work on getting south early. So they weren't showing as being doing very well. But we kind of knew that it was the right thing to do. And they're now... Second overall, wow. uh, and they're the first of the fours. There's one team of submariners from the Royal Navy, in fact. They do it every year, or a team from the Royal Navy does it every year. And they're in a five-man boat, whereas Mark's in a four-man boat. So they're the first of the fours at the moment. And the fleet is kind of looking like it's going to more or less stretch out now in a line. There's a little bit more tactical stuff of maybe don't go too far south. But... Uh, it's the the uh, navigation has been done by uh, Robbie English and Robin O'Mahony. Robin is Mark's brother-in-law, and uh, they've been doing the the navigation from here. and And so far, it looks as if they've done it very well. Well done, well done. Because I know when I was checking yesterday, they were in third. So uh, fantastic to hear that they are in second place. Have you been able to speak with him uh, since December the thirteenth? Oh yeah, the, they can ring in. Uh, it seems fairly regular. I mean, there's four of them on board and each of them would talk to parents or wives or girlfriends or whatever. So they would be on the satellite phone once per day to somebody. So, uh, and in fact, on New Year's Eve, I think all of them phoned everybody. <laughs> so we were talking to them on New Year's Eve. And in fact, at 12 midnight on New Year's Eve, they were pretty much exactly halfway. 
It was kind of unique. So (laughs) they did New Year's Eve literally in the middle of the Atlantic. And of course, they did Christmas Day as well. I saw them all with their Santa hats uh, on them. Just explain, Charlie, to people how they survive food wise and and the sleeping arrangements, because I mean, it it is at the end of the day, it's a rowing boat. I mean, it isn't very big. No, it's not. I think it's about 30 feet long. It has a it has three rowing stations. So you could have three people rowing at once. Uh, there are cabins either end, small cabins, enclosed uh, cabins with a hatch on them. The hatches have to remain closed because if the boat capsizes and it can capsize, uh, the hatch has to be shut so that uh, the boat can then write. Uh, you don't want it going upside down and not writing again. Now, they won't sink, but, uh, you know, if the boat stays upside down, you've got a major problem. Uh, so the, the the hatch either end is where they would sleep. But when they go in there, they have to close the hatch and it's very hot in there oh. when they do so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, and then the eating arrangements, it's all mainly freeze-dried food and then nuts, fruit, you know, chocolate bars, Snickers, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's about five or 6,000 calories per day they're aiming to take in. Uh, the freeze-dried food is not very pleasant. <laughs> Uh, I get the impression, I mean, they have got gas heaters on board to heat the water that the water makers make for them. Uh, but I get the impression with the rougher weather that they don't bother heating the water because it's too dangerous to be fiddling around with gas. So they actually have, you know, cold reconstituted spaghetti bolognese, oh. which doesn't sound very appetizing, oh, very appetizing at all. Uh, uh, and they had to pack. I mean, there it's going to be over thirty days. They have to pa- they have to pack all of that food in advance. Oh, absolutely! I mean, they're all laid out every single day for each team member, and they're all labelled. You know, uh, you know, the thirteenth, the fourteenth, the fifteenth, through to the, you know, they have food probably to take them to about fifty days. It's not going to take that long. They should be finished somewhere between thirty and forty days. Uh, so. You know, and they have a fishing rod to start fishing after that if they need to. But they'd be eating raw fish at that <laughs> oh, point. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very nice with tuna or something like uh, that. You'd pay a true. fortune for that, it in a that, good restaurant. That's <laughs> true. Go, go into any sushi bar and they'll tell you all about eating uh, raw yeah. fish. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, remind us how Mark became a part of this. It's, it's a team out of the blue. Because initially when it was announced, he was saying, wishing them all good luck. And suddenly he becomes a part of the team. Yeah, he he. It's it's a team that was kind of based around students in Delft University over in the Netherlands. One of whom is uh, uh, is a schoolmate of Mark's. Uh, Amir was his his. Uh, both his parents are actually Irish. They're Irish Pakistani originally, and hence his name. But uh, he was a schoolmate of Mark's. Uh, but he was doing a, a postgrad over in Delft University. And he put the team together and mentioned it on Instagram. And Mark just, you know, said, well done. And a couple of days later, one of Amir's teammates pulled out. And Amir looked, I need someone now. Who am I going to get? And he says, you know, Mark Bulger can sail. He knows how to perform out on the ocean and survive out on the ocean. I'll ring him. So he rang Mark and Mark took about 24 hours to decide to do it, despite never having rowed before. <laughs> well, what was your reaction when you got the phone call from Mark to say, hey, hey, Dad, you never guess what I'm doing for Christmas? Yeah, <laughs> was, I'd have to say I was a bit surprised. Yeah. Uh, but I looked it up fairly quickly. And, you know, this thing is, is, is well organised. It's, you know, as safe as you can be going out in a tiny boat into the, into the middle of the Atlantic with no rescue. Uh, you know, it, it's well organised. They're monitored every day. They have a, they have a call uh, with the safety officer every day, sometime between twelve and three, uh, and the, the, you know the boats are unsinkable. Now, there's no real rescue. You're dependent on a, you know, lucky enough to have a passing yacht or you know ship that's not too big because too big a ship can't get near you. Uh, but it is. I, I wasn't too concerned. Okay. You know, it's. I, what's more concerning is their ability to get on. I think, you know, yeah, being 30 such, to 40 days on, yeah, on, your, on your own. Yeah, you know? in such uh, a close space. and, and In all, a very close and, space. And all four of them appear to be getting on. Certainly from their social media posts, they appear to be getting on well. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, and that's, that's, that I think is the real trick, you know, is, is, is it'd be interesting to see how many of the, the groups who go across the Atlantic re, re, like really remain friends. Be, <laughs> because it might be tricky. But I mean, they see some wonderful sights, you know, they've, they've, uh, They've, you know, you may have seen some of the posts of the pod of whales did, playing yeah. around with them. And, I did. Uh, that was one you may not have seen lifetime. yesterday. That's once in a lifetime. Sorry? That's a once in a yeah, lifetime. Yeah, it is. It's the sort of thing you wouldn't see. Flying fish getting hit by flying fish all night. <laughs> and what did you, you know, spot? Actually getting hit by them. You know? What did you spot yesterday? Yesterday, one of the other teams, one of the girls' teams, uh, got hit by a marlin. Uh, it's kind of a known risk. It's happened before where the marlin will spear the boat with their bill while they're chasing other fish. <sighs> she okay? <laughs> Fine, yeah, there's a hole in the boat. <laughs> but they, they, they learnt, they, they were actually taught how to repair the boat when the marlin actually does that. There's a technique, you actually leave the marlin's bill in place, you don't try and break it off, and you, you glass around it with glass fibre. And seal, epoxy yeah, to see, try and re- see, repair it. Seal it in. So, okay, there's also a fundraising yeah. side of the of the challenge. Um, from Mark's point of view, he's hoping to raise money for uh, the youth. It's, it's all to do with youth mental health, but it's uh, the wonderful organisation uh, Jigsaw, and people can yes, can indeed. donate through uh, through Instagram. 
Instagram, or if you go onto the GoFundMe page, out of the team, that's probably the easiest way to do, do it, it. Yeah. if you go on there. Okay, so it's GoFundMe out of the blue. And they'd appreciate anything. But they've reset, they, they've, they've, they've raised numerous amounts for, and they've reset a target now for 40,000. So there's about 26,000, I think, at the moment. They're trying to get up to 40 before they finish. And then that will continue after they're, 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 they're back in Antigua and on dry land. They will continue to fundraise for Jigsaw. So they're in the, they're kind of in the home straight now, really. Well, yeah, they're just over halfway, but it's the home straight in terms of of what should happen. They they may get some fairly strong wins on occasions behind them, and that's not terribly comfortable either. Uh, you know, you can go quick, but it's risky. That's when you capsize. You okay. know, uh, you know, look, the boats probably will capsize, and re, you know, they're they're designed to capsize and right again. But the quicker you're going down waves, the more risk there is of capsizing. It really is. It's an incredible, incredible challenge. I can understand why it is billed as the world's uh, toughest row. I know you were out in the Canaries to see them off. Do you plan on going to Antigua for their arrival? Yeah, that's my next phone call is to oh. the travel agent. Uh, we were warned very, very strictly over in, in the Canaries by the organisers, do not book until we tell you. <laughs> Because they've had experience of people arriving late, or have you know that that, that you would arrive in Antigua after the the, the guys who got in on the boat, or people having to leave before they arrive. <laughs> so the, we're told very clearly: do not book. We'll tell you when they're going to be in. You know, and they say about ten days in advance. So I'm expecting to hear, hopefully, Anytime soon soon enough that okay, we uh, we will we will keep in contact uh, with you, uh, Charlie, and also just to say to people, keep a lookout for them on there. If you go to Instagram, uh, out of the blue, or they have their own website, yeah. out uh, out of the blue uh, dot team uh, is, uh, yeah. Yeah. is yeah. It, it's it's the world's toughest row. If you just Google that, it will come up. It's an incredible achievement. It comes up, yeah. Pass yeah. on our best wishes it's to Mark and the rest of the crew when you're next talking to them, Charlie. I will indeed. Thank you very yeah. much. And thank Take you. Care. Thank you. Bye bye. That is uh, Charlie you. Bulger uh, from Baltimore, who's dad of Mark, part of the world's toughest uh, row. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. And our first nutritional slot of uh, 2024, Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, uh, joining me. Uh, good morning and a happy new year to you, Annalise. Good morning and Happy New Year to you, Patricia, and everybody who's listening as well. Okay, we've all uh, recovered. Did you overindulge? Of course I did. (laughs) And I enjoyed every mouthful. (laughs) And that's the part, that's all part of it, isn't it? It is, of course. It is. Actually, to be honest with you, I think that um, you you probably end up eating a lot more sweet stuff than normal over Christmas and... um, like that's that gets all that sugar craving going and that's the real difficulty in then coming into January is kind of giving up all that sweet stuff because you give yourself a free pass um so that's I suppose that's the unhealthy aspect of it but other than that who you know for God's sake for the sake of 10 days isn't it? yeah it's yeah I, I just think households that are and, and I'd have to put my hand up and say there's a lot in in my house there's still a lot of leftover boxes of sweets and chocolates and biscuits yeah. that I'm kind of looking at and thinking, oh, I might donate those to charity because if you have them around the house, that's the danger that we're into the middle of January and you're still eating the tins of roses. Absolutely. And you don't want to waste them. 
So once they're open, you'll finish them. So actually, that is the best advice, Patricia, is just give them away. So I have stuff stacked up at home now, extra boxes of sweets and biscuits, and they're going. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just just getting rid of them. Get rid of the temptation. Get rid of the temptation. Okay. A lot of people have been on to us this morning, and it's kind of, there was a lot of COVID um, out and about over Christmas. And again, it's that it comes up every time people recovering after uh, COVID. Uh, summed up by Anya, uh, who says Happy New Year to us both. Many happy returns, uh, Anya. Uh, she's coming towards the end of uh, COVID. She's taking something called Oxylent, but yeah. she, she wants to know what else would you suggest she's lacking in energy? And that's what a lot of people are saying. They yeah. still have that real tiredness, even though the COVID is gone. So generally for energy, ginseng is the best to kind of get you over that hump. I do think that that is one of the side effects of COVID. And certainly for a lot of people who end up with long COVID, um, the fatigue, chronic fatigue and fatigue is a big part of it. But even for, you know, most people after a virus, it takes a couple of weeks, I think, to bounce back after COVID, whereas a lot of people would bounce back much quicker from a flu or from a cold. So the first thing I would say is just look, accept that you you will feel a bit tired for a while. That is part of the after effect of the virus and don't push your body. Like, so for example, now, if you're feeling like that, don't go start going to the gym and doing a big new program because actually that's going to set you back. Just make sure that you're getting your rest and do listen to your body if you're feeling a bit tired. And then to get you over the hump, the B vitamins are always very good. Now, Oxylent is a great multivitamin that comes in a sachet. You can mix it up to a drink. So the B vitamins will be in that. That's fantastic for energy. I actually think the N-acetylcysteine was great for me when I was getting over COVID. It was great for my chest and good for energy as well. Um, It's called NAC, N-A-C, and you'll buy that in any health shop. And then ginseng is great for a bit of an immediate energy buzz. It kind of gives you a caffeine-like boost, but without that jittery feeling of caffeine. So um, one of my favorite ones and the one I, I was taking was the Terranova Dynamic Synergy, which is a blend of mushrooms and um, different types of ginseng. So you get a lovely energy buzz that kind of lasts for a good few hours. And then the mushrooms are fantastic for the immune system as well. So any of the three of those I would recommend are a combination of the three of those if you're really feeling quite low. Okay, and Jason in Clonakilty, and again, this is one I've heard a lot of people complain about. Jason was on to us this morning to say, I've got what he describes as a hacking cough. He said, I've had it for the last three weeks. It simply will not go away. I've tried everything. Is there anything that you could recommend? I did have a chest infection, uh, which brought on this uh, cough. The chest infection, I'm well over that, but it's the cough that is lingering and it just won't go away. A hacking cough. Yeah, and it's very common, Patricia, at the moment. And I actually remember the year before COVID, there was the 100-day cough. People were getting a very, it was a really bad year. People don't remember this pre-COVID, but it was a really bad year in the hospitals. There was a huge, a, a big spate of a very bad flu virus, and there was problems with beds and hospitals. But one of the results of that was this 100-day cough, so people could not shift the cough afterwards. And I'm seeing that again at the moment. So I think... Again, it's probably something to do with inflammation in the lungs. So really you may need to check with your doctor because you might need something like a steroid to bring it down. Some people do develop asthma after COVID. Um, 
temporary asthma. So again, steroids would be beneficial for that if there's inflammation in the lungs. And it's this kind of dry cough, cough, so it's not productive. There's no mucus in the chest, so it's not an infection. I think it's down to inflammation of the lungs. So there's a couple of things that I would recommend for that. I think the Dr. Claire Mucotone is very good because there's herbs in there that nourish the chest, uh, the, the, the cells of the lungs, the lung tissue. And she also does something called the clear, a clear away tea, which I took for my lungs um, after COVID. So I was my own best guinea pig, Patricia. <laughs> and I found the clear away tea was very soothing. And then what I used was uh, the Comvita Manuka honey um, cough elixir. And instead of taking it as they recommend, which is two teaspoons three or four times a day, I would take a sip of that every time the hacking started. And I would just kind of let it trickle down my throat and it soothed all of those inflamed membranes in my throat and my upper respiratory part. So I was less likely to get into those terrible coughing fits. So you could try those things. The olive leaf extract is also another fantastic natural anti-inflammatory. I I took that as well as my kind of go-to when I'm feeling a bit run down after feeling sick. Um, So that could be another one you could add as well. And then finally, that NAC, the N-acetylcysteine, We've had amazing feedback on that since people were getting COVID and respiratory. Even some people who took it for respiratory after effects of COVID said that they experienced far less um, asthma and far less um, hay fever coming into the summer when they were taking it as well. So again, it must have some very beneficial anti-inflammatory effect in the lungs. Okay, Emily in Formoy has what she describes as a sore eye. Uh, Her eye basically is red. She can't figure out what's wrong. She says it isn't sore, it isn't itchy and she can see fine, but it's just a redness in her eye. Any idea what that could be? Could be any number of things, I suppose, Patricia. Sometimes you can scratch the surface of the eye, um, a little scratch, and that can cause irritation. Takes a little bit of time to heal. Um, You could buy some eye drops um, that are like, you know, normal tears in the pharmacy or in a health shop and they would just help soothe it a little bit if it is a scratch. It could be the start of an eye infection which would mean you need antibiotic eye drops. It could be the start of conjunctivitis which is actually more serious. Um, So there's any number of things it could be but if she can see through it and if it's not itchy just red I would say that she's possibly got a bit of grit in there or possibly rubbed her eye and scratched it. Yeah and didn't didn't even realise it. Yeah probably something like that. So I think eye drops, and there is natural eye drops that you can get in the eye shop called um, Dr. Vogel does them, and there's Eye Bright in there, which is a really lovely herb for the eyes, for eye health. It's great great for dry eye. It's great for eyes that get infected. It's great for tired eyes if you've got a lot of screen time. So you could try that as the eye drops. Okay, and Joe has uh, emailed the programme. He's a 72-year-old man and he said, this has only started, this has only developed recently. After eating, he's getting a rumbling sound in his stomach. He's getting gassiness and wind. It can actually wake him up at night. He's wondering, is it the particular food he's eating? If so, what food should he avoid? And would you have any natural remedies for it, please? So a rumbling sound with gassiness and wind after eating. So... I suppose there'd be a lot of questions I'd ask a person who'd come into the shop with those problems now. I mean, think it's possibly an issue with digestion, but again, it might be that the diet has changed recently and there's something that's causing, you know, it's becoming more difficult to break down. It's possible that a new medication is causing this. So there's a few reasons why you might, your digestion might be affected. Like if you start taking those antacids or 
the um, Nexium type things, you know, the Amaprazole, they can all cause this as well. So I don't know if it's as a result of any of those. But the first step really, I suppose, is to try something like a digestive enzyme that will just help support the body's own natural breaking down of food and digestive ability. So the Udo's do a great one. Um, Terranova do a fantastic one as well. So go into the health shop, get yourself a good um, a good digestive enzyme. And if that doesn't sort it out, then you need to, you know, if there's been antibiotic use recently, maybe it's down to the fact that there's an imbalance of bacteria. So maybe a probiotic could help. Uh, but I think first stop the digestive enzyme. And actually, Patricia, a lot of people in France and other countries in Europe, they actually have a salad or something very bitter to begin their meals with. And it's because it stimulates the gallbladder to release those digestive enzymes. So having a glass of lemon juice before you eat or maybe even a glass of water with some apple cider vinegar stirred in can be a great way to stimulate digestion and avoid this kind of rumbling and gassiness. But if you've got heartburn, that is definitely not suitable for you. Otherwise, you could, it's worth a try. OK, and Dorothy in Dunmanwe, any suggestions to get rid of mouth ulcers? She's had a lot of them after Christmas. So mouth ulcers can be a sign that your body is just struggling and you're run down, um, that you've been burning the candles at both ends. Or it sometimes as well can be uh, as a reaction to, some people notice it for berries, some people notice it for uh, certain toothpaste. So in toothpaste, they put in a chemical called sodium lauryl sulfate to produce the foaming. And a lot of people are, that get mouth ulcers have a problem with that. So I would recommend getting a natural toothpaste that does not have the sodium lauryl sulfate in there. Dr. Delish Clare does a fabulous mouthwash that is brilliant for healing um, ulcers and anything. It's great for people who've got gingivitis or an infection in their mouth or really bad breath or sore tongue. So that's her mouthwash. Um, there's myrrh and echinacea in it, so it's not like a kind of a standard mouthwash. It's more of a healing one. And you could take a vitamin C and zinc supplement if you wanted as well, because these are both really important for skin and the healing of skin. So if you find that you've got very slow wound healing, it can be a sign that you're deficient in vitamin C and zinc. It's always a great one to take for any type of healing, even if you break a bone it's another great one to take for healing as well. So you could try that. Okay, listen, have a lovely week and we'll talk to you next Monday at your usual slot. Thanks for joining us. That is Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic and all of the information contained in Annalise's slot today. She'll put up on her own website, healthhubstore.com and John Paul will put it up as a separate podcast here on C103. Just listening to Barry on the news there and he finishing up as he always does with uh, sport. I've become a darts fan over Christmas, all thanks to this uh, 16 year old prodigy, Luke Littler, who I have to say I had never heard of before. Now, Brendan, my husband, is a bit of a darts fan and he loves the darts at Christmas and it's kind of part of our Christmas tradition that he'll take off into the sitting room and he'll spend a few hours watching the darts. And I dip in and out, out of it, but I have really become obsessed with the darts from the Alley Pally this uh, Christmas and Luke uh, Littler. Now, I know yesterday he bet from Anna man, uh, Brendan Dolan, and you'd always be cheering for the Irish. But when you see this young uh, 16 year old, I mean, he's been described as, as a teen sensation and it really is going to take something very special to stop him becoming the world darts champion. And if he does it, he is on the cusp of probably producing one of the greatest sporting stories of all time. And I, I don't know. <laughs> 
if you've become a darting fan uh, or not but I mean it does look like he is unstoppable and he's just as cool as a cucumber because as I was watching him develop over this particular tournament I was thinking uh, you know surely the nerves are going to get to him you think like a 16 year old who was one on one of the particular matches they were chanting at him you've got to get up for school in the morning but you'd be thinking that he would just get the nerves would take over you know on a big stage like the the Ali Pali in London with all of the crowds uh, cheering him but he just he just seems to be completely unfazed and he really does look unstoppable at the moment he's got a semi-final match tonight that's against Rob uh, Cross and of course if he wins that it will push him into the final which is on uh, tomorrow night so have you become a darts fan like I have I love your thoughts on this Luke Littler 0818103103 now number of comments into us okay number of people reacting to John O'Donovan who contacted us from the city and John was on about a particular shop a store in the north side of the city who over Christmas put up a sign saying to people we will not serve you if you come in here wearing pyjamas and John thinks it's all a bit of a class distinction thing and he sees nothing wrong with people wearing pyjamas if that's what they want to do and he was only out over New Year doing some shopping and the person in front of him in the shop had pyjamas on and he said it didn't affect him in any way. So we wondered what were your thoughts and comments about people having the habit of wearing pyjamas going out and about maybe just nipping down to the corner shop or going in and doing a full trolley shop inside in the supermarket or as I saw over Christmas somebody pulling up to get petrol in pyjamas dressing gown and uh, slippers and the woman didn't bat an eyelid as she filled up her petrol her tank with petrol and then into the shop to pay for her petrol. Lisa said she worked in a large store in the UK for a year and they actually refused people wearing pyjamas. It was mainly though nothing to do with hygiene. It was down to people stealing items and you could put them inside a pair of pyjamas. She says some pyjamas will have very large pockets and you know the fleecy ones hard to tell if you've got something shoved into the pyjamas or shoved into the pockets of the pyjamas. So she said certain in the store that she worked with in the UK the reason they had a sign up saying no pyjamas was just to stop people shop uh, lifting. Someone else says stores refused entry for people if they weren't wearing a mask during the COVID pandemic. Stores will ask drivers to remove helmets before entering a shop. Sure, stores are a private group or organisation. They can have any policy they want in place. For example, they can put up a sign saying no shorts, no shirts, no shoes, no service. And now they can add no pyjamas to the list. So it's up to individual shops whether they want to do it or not. And you'll see that when you're away on holidays in Spain, for example. They'll say to people, you know, come into the store dressed. There'll be signs up saying no bikinis, no swim swimwear on inside in shops. So I suppose it's something similar uh, to that. And then someone else wants to point out, Patricia, the... The fashion and the habit of wearing pyjamas outdoors. This listener reckons has been going on for about 20 years. Listener says it became popular when the fleece pyjamas came in. And by the way, the texter says, I'm not a fan. Is it 20 years? I would have thought it was three or four years ago. But maybe it's, it is uh, longer. And the girls in Mallow says, PJs should only be worn in bed, not when you're heading out shopping. It is disgraceful. Catherine says, hi Patricia, on the wearing of pyjamas. If people have time to change out of the pyjamas they slept in and put on designer ones to wear going out 
Why can't they put on normal clothes instead of going out in PJs? Catherine scratching her head on that. Donny says, if I was working in a store at a till and it was any time after 12 midday or into the early evening time and someone appeared at my till wearing a pyjamas and our dressing gown, I would say to them, good morning, in the hope that it would get the message through to them that you need to be fully dressed when you come into our store. 0818 people against the wearing of pyjamas when people are out and about. And then we had a listener who was quite taken aback when they went to Mass over Christmas that the priest asked the people to offer the sign of peace to the person beside them and everyone started shaking hands. This person thought that that was something that certainly was stopped during Covid and thought it was something that was gone for good. A number of people were out at Mass over Christmas. Eileen says, Happy New Year. Great to have you back. Thank you for that. Many happy returns. Eileen, yes, our priest at Mass at Christmas announced we could shake hands or offer another form of the sign of peace if we felt comfortable with it. So it was up to the people in the congregation. Eileen said, to be honest, most people just turned to the person next to them and smiled and waved or nodded their head. It was lovely all round, but it was very considerate, Eileen said, of the priest, not to put pressure on somebody. Because I think for people who are nervous about, you know, picking up be it COVID that's still there, or flus, or that awful RSV, that awful virus, that respiratory virus that has been catching so many people. And if you're nervous in a crowded situation and you don't want to shake hands with somebody for that very reason, because you don't want to pick up anything, it's if the other person offers you a hand, it's kind of hard not to. My instinct would be to straight away shake hands with the person. It's very difficult to say to somebody, no, I don't want to shake uh, your hand. So I think that was nice of the priest to put it like that. It's up to individuals whether they want to shake hands or not. And Kath says something similar. The priest at the Mass that I attended asked people to make the sign of peace, maybe by a smile or a wave to the person next to you, says Kath. So there was one priest who deliberately wasn't encouraging people to shake hands. 0818 103 103. So I'm assuming it was up to individual priests what they did or didn't do. And then we spoke about the TB uh, the TB outbreak down in uh, West Cork. Major outbreak. They haven't had one as bad in many, many uh, years. And somebody was pointing out that there's been a change of rules to how cattle are being sold that I was unaware of. Catherine says it is compulsory to TB test your cattle every year. The new TB test rule for selling cattle though, it isn't compulsory on the seller. But if that cat that cow has not been tested prior to sale, then the purchaser has the responsibility to TB test the animal if it's residing in that farm, but not if it's for butcher use, says Catherine. And somebody else is trying to explain to us from a non-farming background what are the difference and what were the rule changes. And this person says the new ruling on TB testing in cattle that the department brought in, according to this texter, is the greatest farce going. And to think those people are in charge of the country, laughable and quite frankly, frightening. A cow can go to the mart untested, stand there all day with hundreds of others, then travel in a lorry and go into a new herd and mix with them for up to 30 days before she's then tested, having possibly infected hundreds of cows along the way. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Who in God's name makes up these rules? If animals were tested prior for going to sale, wouldn't it make a lot more sense? And therefore, it would stop infected animals potentially 
infecting many others are simply uh, simplify it even more and bring in six monthly testing right across the board. The way it is now is purely a money spinner and jobs for the boys while sparing no thought for the extra work and the headache to the farmer and certainly no thought to eradicating TB. And I did mention to Donal O'Donovan of the IFA, I mean, the, the Department of Agriculture, their proposal is to eradicate TB by 2030, which is now only six years away. And with these, you know, new outbreaks, you wonder how close are they to eradicating TB by 2030 if the current rules and regulations uh, don't appear to be uh, working. And certainly for those farm families who found out that they had a reactor on their farm and Donal was saying many of them got that phone call or got that letter on Christmas week, which would have been absolutely miserable for those farm families with the restrictions, therefore, that are put in place. 0818 103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. If you fancy a spot of bingo, then Shambhali Moor Community Centre, the place to go tonight. Bingo is on at 8 with a jackpot of €3,200. The new market can turn. Alzheimer Cafe will be held next Thursday from 11am to 1pm. It provides a warm, welcoming place for people living with dementia and their carers. This month, the local community Garda will give a talk on safety and support services. To register, you can contact Karen on 87 34875111. Enjoy Woody at the OK Corral. That's the Formoy Panto. It is running in the Everyman Theatre in Formoy uh, this coming weekend. Tickets are available from GR8 events are from the Palace Theatre. And Ballyhay Community Council are holding a tractor run next Sunday, 7th of January. It leaves the corporate court at 11.45. All are welcome. Proceeds are in aid of the Marymount Hospice, Milford Hospice in Limerick and the Irish Haemophilia Society. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. CMIG.ie. When I was chatting with Annalise Drissel and she was giving nutrition advice into the new year, but in particular about all of the sweets and the biscuits and the nice things we eat over Christmas and the temptation then of still having them in the house. And, you know, her suggestion was get them out of the house as quick as you can. Well, somebody says, Trisha, on any leftover sweets, my daughter had enough of the chocolates. So she put them all into a big plastic bag and poured vegetable oil over them all and then binned them. Temptation gone. Job done. Oh, now I'm assuming there were chocolates that were opened. If anybody has chocolates or biscuits that you didn't get to at all and that they are still closed, try uh, donate them to charity. Any of the charity shops certainly will uh, take them in or uh, the likes of St Vincent de Paul, for example, and they'll pass them on to those in need. But it certainly is one way to get temptation out of the way. The thought of having a big bag of sweets and chocolates with vegetable oil poured over them, you certainly wouldn't go near them for sure. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Let me go to the phone lines where Kate in Bantry uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Kate. Good afternoon, Patricia. No, How are you? I'm very well. Unfortunately, there's a problem with your mother and her landline. Tell me what's been going on. Well, we had thunder and lightning seven weeks ago now. So mum's phone line um, obviously was broken and she's almost 90. She's living on her own. 
and um, she has no landline. So as a result of that, she has no panic alarm, you know, for her own safety. And we've been on to air every single day and we're getting false promises that, um, oh, a technician will be out, a technician will be out and nothing. Is she in a rural area? A very rural area, yes. Uh, Yeah, so she's the only one whose phone has gone down, is it? Well, we don't know of anybody else you know, like her nearest neighbour would be a mile away or so. It's a very rural area. Um, as I say, she's almost 90. Um, it's it's a disgrace, really. Has she a mobile phone? Mobiles don't really work in, in the oh, area. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't, yeah. you're going to... Now, are, are Air aware that this is a 90-year-old woman living on her own who really yeah. needs... They are. They are. And, like, they have... Like she, we were with Vodafone. My late dad had Vodafone, and um, we had the same problem back. I think it was back in June. Anytime there's thunder and lightning, you're kind of guaranteed that the phone lines are going to be upset. Now, like the hands-free phone has gone several times as well, but that's a simple matter. You go out and you buy a new phone. That's grand. But when it's the phone line, so that was with Vodafone back. I think it was back around June, and that went on for six weeks. And everybody was saying, oh, maybe change to AIR. AIR might be better. They have a special elderly contact phone number. Yeah. And when it happened this time around now, um, after a couple of weeks, we had no joy. So I got her transferred to AIR. And it seems to be worse because... um, Seven weeks. Yes, seven weeks for Thursday now since the Thunder and Lightning was. And I assume you've lost count, Kate, of the number of times you've contacted Air. Oh, my God, like, completely, completely. And are they apologetic when you get on to them? Some yes, some no, you know. Because somebody different every time. Yeah, somebody different every time. So it's just, it's it's crazy. And there's two things going on here. I mean, uh, firstly... You know, your mum needs the phone to be able to just to communicate with uh, people. To communicate. She yeah, just, on her own. Yeah, just to you chat. Know, her family, and, her family uh, is living, you know, over an hour and a half away. And for you to check in that she's okay. Exactly. And as I, you know, just said to you, her neighbours, like, it's not like in a town or something, you have an ex-door neighbour. Like, a neighbour for to call to mum has to get into her car and or his car and drive to her, you know. And you can't be expecting people constantly to be doing that. And then the panic alarm, obviously. Is In the re- panic alarm. Well, that's really other. important because she could, you know, if she had a fall or a trip or anything could happen that she needs to press that button. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just, and as well, I've been on to a local councillor and unfortunately he had no success either. And is she nervous without the phone and the panic? Of course she, she is. is. You know, the phone, like, I suppose, you know, like, you know yourself, you have the phone. Nobody might call you today. But, like, it's the security of knowing that you you have the phone if need be. You know, you can just, if you feel like picking up the phone. Of course she is nervous, you know. As I say, you might get a call today or tomorrow. But, like, at least you have peace of mind that your phone is working. Somebody can call you or you can call them. And at 90 years of age, she, she's living independently. She is. She's fantastic. She is. What a she woman. She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she is fantastic. Yeah, and is she? Yeah. Does she get out and about? Oh, she does. She yeah. does. Oh, yeah. she does. She's great. Yeah, yeah. like all oh, that's great. It's just the 
phone. Peace of mind. That. It's peace of mind. Okay, we, uh, we've, we're we going to contact But Air. I think, regardless if she's well or not, do you know what I mean? Regardless if she's well or not well, like, that's it's, not the... It's not good enough. It's that's not, not good enough. It, yeah. It's not the issue. You know, the issue is she has no means of contact, you know? If God forbid something was to was to happen, exactly, yeah. and even just for us, you know, her family to check in, yeah, just a quick you know. call. How are you doing, ma'am? Everything okay? Yeah, do you, yeah. Need, do you need anything? Yeah, just exactly. peace of mind. Yeah. All right, listen, we'll get on to air, uh, Kate, and we'll be back on to you as soon as we hear uh, from them. Pass on our best wishes to your mum, though, and hopefully we'll get the sources sooner rather than later. I will, of course. Thank God bless. So take care, take Thank care. You. That's uh, Kate in Banji. That's just not good enough. It's really, anyone to be without a phone for seven weeks is not good enough. But to expect a 90-year-old woman on her own to be without a phone in a very rural, isolated area. And I know that when we have storms and when electricity goes out or when phone lines go down, they will always put, the emphasis will always go on, you know, the more built up areas because there will be more people without their phones, uh, for for example, and I understand that, uh, so that they wouldn't rush just to get the phone back for one 90-year-old woman on her own. But you would think after a couple of days that it should become a priority, particularly when they're aware that this woman lives on her own seven weeks. That is just simply not good enough. We'll let you know uh, when we hear back from air 0818 103 103. And Jim and Clonakilty was on to say he read, I think this was on yesterday's uh, Irish Examiner. It was a story that they ran about how some of our TDs and senators had failed to pay their bills at the Oroctus Bar and uh, Restaurant. And Jim says, if these are, is this what we are electing our TDs and senators for? He said what was interesting was none of the TDs were named. So if they're good enough to put their name on a ballot paper, then those that owe money to the Oireachtas Bar and Restaurant, they should be able to print their names as well. And it's a, a story that Tyg McAnally, the political reporter with the Examiner, had on, yes, I think it was yesterday's paper, that the politicians, they ranked up over 70,000 in unpaid bills to the Dahl Bar and uh, Restaurant. But the good news is, case people think it's the taxpayer is paying for these food and drink. The money now has been deducted from their salaries. It was a total of 85 unnamed Jim and Clonakilty is right. Unnamed TDs and senators were responsible for the over €70,000 debt last year. They failed to pay their food and drink bills. Now, the Irish Examiner had the data released under a Freedom of Information uh, request and it shows that the money has been deducted from the salaries of the TDs and the senators for the unpaid food and uh, drink. Now, if you go back to 2018, when we would have been discussing this uh, issue on the programme, the Oireachtas were forced to introduce that policy whereby politicians who failed to pick up their tab after eating and drinking in the doll bar and restaurant, they would automatically then have those bills deducted from their salaries. Because prior to 2018, unpaid bills had to be written off because it became clear there was no way that they could go after the TDs and senators to recoup the money. And I remember there was uproar at the time uh, about it. So they introduced new rules, new regulations. And what happens now is the money is deducted from the, straight from the politician's pay when the unpaid bill becomes what they call aged debts. What is an aged debt? That is a bill for drinking food that hasn't been paid 
for more than two months. One TD, again, we don't know what part of the country, we don't know if it's one of ours or not, had an outstanding bill of nearly €1,000, €936.45, while one senator had an outstanding bill of €882. So that isn't a case of somebody going in and having lunch inside in the Dáil restaurant or bringing somebody in and and maybe having a little drink uh, with them and just getting caught up in the moment and you walk out and you forget to pay the tab. I mean, to run up a bill of nearly a thousand euro, that is a lot of eating and drinking in the doll bar and uh, restaurant. But listen, you can rest easier, Jim, in Clonakilty because the money has been deducted and will be deducted directly from their wages. Talking about leftover sweets and biscuits and if you're trying to get them out of the house to stop the t- temptation of eating them. And I said, please consider any unopened biscuits and sweets, donating them to charity. Somebody says, Patricia, all the sweets and biscuits in my house, gathering them all up and I'm donating the unopened ones to Penny Dinners, which is a Really, really good uh, charity indeed. Thank you for that. Texting 0862-103-103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins us, our first slot of 2024. Happy New Year to you, Joe. Happy New Year, Patricia. Yeah, our uh, first chat of 2024. Another year older and wiser? <laughs> well, I don't know about the wiser, <laughs> but definitely older. Okay, and I suppose the start of the new year is a time for everyone where you kind of sit and contemplate the year behind us is gone, heading into a new year. It, it's, a, it's a good time to sort of set priorities and, and goals, isn't it? And, and, it the, is. and, and the hope is that you will achieve some, if yeah. not, not all of them. Yeah, and like um, uh, we're not talking now about, I, I suppose we are in a way but it isn't about, like, my New Year resolution, but it's about having a think about our lives and what, maybe what, uh, yeah, looking forward what we'd like to do um, to to look after ourselves in 2024. I mean, for example, family. Um, you know, we can ask ourselves, um, have we done our best with family? Um is there anything that we could do to improve things? Um, can we, uh, you know, text more often, call more often, whatever? Mm. Keep um, it, yeah, make keep keep that connection. And that, funny enough, that's something I was thinking about as you know the close of twenty twenty three and and looking forward to twenty twenty four. That was something that I, I sort of said I really need to be in more contact. I had a lot of family around at Christmas, which is fantastic. And mm. I realised that the life can take over and you can get really, really busy and you don't keep in as much contact as we should. And it's up to each of us as individuals to keep that connection going. <coughs> Absolutely. And I mean, if a person hasn't been in touch for some time, um, that we can be the one to um, initiate contact in 2024, okay. um, regardless of whether they've been in touch or not. Um, you know, that kind of way. I suppose one of the, I, I suppose the top priority would be our health um, to For do sure. what we can um, to, you know, uh, at 77 now, um, I'll be, um, you know, thinking, well, what can I do to maintain um, a fair bit of health in 2024? Now, I'm only getting over. Uh, three operations, um, you know, back, hip, um, 
uh, a urology thing. And um, so I don't see myself suddenly um, uh, bursting forth on the road or anything like that. But um, small walks would yeah. be my aim now to just try and get a bit back to... Um, I've spent a lot of time... Um, I was forced to spend a lot of time on my back in bed. And, um, you know, uh, even... You, there's a lot of old um, uh, stiffness in the joints, the old uh, hips and legs and that. So I presume that um, reasonable bit of uh, exercise will will get that back. Yeah, so and that's for, a big aim. For, for others, you know, when they look at their health, it might be something like maybe losing a bit of weight. It might be getting rid of the cigarettes. It might be cutting down on, on drink. There's all small things that you can do that you know the knock-on effect is. It will. Yeah. It will. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was listening to uh, seemingly we the Irish are great to eat the, the five fruit and veg uh, every day. And that, of course, for some will go, God, I don't eat enough fruit and veg. So maybe just start including eating fruit and veg. veg. They're all small, small things, but you can make them priorities. But I suppose like the cigarettes and the alcohol, they're big things. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, there's many a person now, um, I really, really hope... Um, We'll, we'll chuck the old cigarettes for 2024. Um, I'm off them now since 1985. Well done. Yeah, it was one night. Yeah. Um, Best thing Mary you ever just, did. Uh, yeah, I had this big thing about giving them up on the 1st of January, and it was around November, and Mary said, well, why don't you pack them up now? And um, uh, no, it wasn't my first attempt. But I did, and I never smoked a cigarette since. And uh, I mean, definitely, I'm all the better for that. Yeah, I mightn't yeah. be, <laughs> I mightn't be fitting well at the moment, but uh, definitely, I'm a lot better in my breathing, and my lungs are better, etc. So it's been well worth it. And with the price of them now, anyway, um, I'm very <laughs> glad I'm off. You've them. saved, you've saved a lot of money. And when people are deciding, you know, to set uh, goals, you've often spoke about this in in the past. It's to it's to make them realistic, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned, for example, you know, that you're trying to get out and do a bit of exercise. But I mean, to sort of think to yourself, oh, I'll go out and I'll run a marathon this year. You're almost yeah. setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. So it's yeah. to be realistic in your goals. Well, whenever we talked about goals and whenever we do talk about goals, um, we always mention the, the you know, the famous SMART um, acronym. Now, the SMART acronym is um, S to be specific with what we want to do. M is for, it's measurable. Um, A, it's, is it appealing? Um, R, is it realistic? And T, is it timed? Now, we'll have a quick look through them and see where we get. Because, um, uh, you know, there's, as you said, there is no point whatsoever in making a goal that is, you know well, is pretty much impossible. Uh, you put it well, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Mm. So let's look at the SMART, specific. Just what is it that we want to achieve? For example, now, we mentioned the cigarettes. What we want to achieve is better health. What we want to achieve is to be off the cigarettes. Um, so that's, that's quite specific. Now, measurable. Will I keep track of progress? For example, will I keep a diary? Well, now, 
like, um, we'll come to this again, but goals can be one event, which is kind of now, or it can be something ongoing throughout the year, such as, as I was saying, for the old body, for the, uh, the, 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 the little walk. Um, so, like, we need to... Um, we we need to know uh, wh- wh- what progress are we making. Um, uh, I remember having a diary one time about, oh my God, 50 years ago, and it was about a specific thing. And I used to put in a thing each day, um, it, and it would be like this, did well today. Um, another time might be missed out today. Another time would be did well today. Now, it was no big deal. I wasn't writing a novel, but... Um, uh, it kind of kept me on track, and I had to look at it at the end of the year, and and I had to say that even if I felt a bit um, down, that um, I would say, but God, there was an awful lot more good days than bad days. Yeah. So may, maybe maybe a diary. Like my um, my goal for this year now is something that can be done and dusted, hopefully, in about a week. Um, I need to tidy the office. It's in a desperate state with. Papers here, papers there, papers everywhere. Tis, tis a mess. And um, I'll try and clear that up. Now, I'd, the measurable bit there would be, I'd give myself, we'll say, a week. Um, uh, I intend to go out this afternoon now and do a bit. But um, I, won't get, I know I won't get it all done this afternoon. But I'll do another bit tomorrow. And um, so, measurable. Yeah, I, I have, I've kind of won uh, similar to that in that I have my wardrobe needs a really good clear out and a really good declutter because there's things I'm looking yeah. at that I know I am never going to wear again. Yeah. And I'm they're there going, oh, I might wear them. No, I won't. I know I won't. So it's, it's one of the things I've, I've said as a priority for this, for the, for the new year. By the end of January, I've set a date on it as well. I'm going to have that wardrobe cleaned out so that when I look into it, it's all things only that I'm going to wear. But if I was to say I'm going to have to do that in one day, I'd just be overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. So I'm going yeah. to do it little and often. Absolutely. <laughs> is, my plan for, is my plan for it. And I'm going yeah. to fill bags. When that bag is full, OK, I put that one aside and they'll all go off to the charity shop and I'm into recycling and all of that. But I'm going to set the, I, I'm going to do it by the smart, set the goals. Right. I'll be able to measure it. You know, I'll have a realistic goal. And then what yeah. do I hope to achieve? That I'll open my wardrobe and I'll be able to look in, find everything and know that everything in it I'm going to wear. And that's what makes it appealing, yeah. which is our next one, SMA, appealing. I was talking to a friend last Saturday night, and funnily enough, her goal was the very same as yours. She was going to declutter and uh, get rid of stuff that she just basically doesn't want anymore. So, but yeah, appealing. Um, you see, you're going to feel very good when that's all done. I'm going to feel very good when the office is tidied up. Um, so that's what makes it appealing. And I think a goal has to be appealing. I mean, there has to be a payoff. There has to be a kind of a, a time of, gee, that's great now. Um, uh, that's done. Um, so I'm, 
I'm looking forward to, to when the office is um, reasonable, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. It, makes it, it makes it inviting when you go in there to do something and you feel you yeah. can get, you can get uh, work done. And actually, yeah. I, don't, I'm, I, know, I don't know if it's tomorrow or not. I know John Paul was working on it. We were talking about it before we came on air uh, this morning. We're going to have a decluttering expert on the programme because clearing clutter is is really good for you for you know be it for you for the office my wardrobe but even cupboards to clear out cupboards and yeah. just to, to declutter it it just makes you if it makes you feel better it makes you can achieve more things when you haven't got so much clutter absolutely. around absolutely who was that expert that we were all hearing about was it Marie Kondo? Oh yeah, the it? book. Yeah, the famous book. Yeah, I read that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. When I used to hear about that, I used to shut up <laughs> and I used to think, no, that's one book that I'm probably not going to get because I'd feel terrible. Yeah. Um, it probably is, you know. Um, of course it's a good book and of course it would be um, important uh, to have a read of it. But um, my goal is so simple that mm. I don't need a book about it. No, you Clear can do it Somebody, yeah. somebody is saying that one of their big goals for this year is to become a volunteer. Recently oh, yeah. uh, retired, finding a time on my hands, I'm definitely going to volunteer. Now that's something really good, isn't it? It is because to, uh, some of our priorities that I would have discussed with you there would have been one of them was dedication to a social cause and the other one was serving others. And um, oh, they're noble goals, very noble. And, um, uh, you know, and uh, there's the old, um, de- that uh, neurotransmitter that we talked about, oxytocin. When you do good for others, you feel good. So it's, um, yeah, that's a great goal. Now, the, after the appealing that we just mentioned now, SMA, we have our realistic. Can I do this? Is it a realistic goal? Now, um, what do we do if we have a slip? I say, start again. I mean, um, I, I'd say I made maybe five, I, I'm just guessing, maybe five attempts to give up the cigarettes. But then on the fifth occasion, you did it. I, I did it. I succeeded. So can I do this? Is it a realistic goal? Um, and the answer would have to be, yes, it is a realistic goal. I mean, for example, for my decluttering and your decluttering um, uh, goals, um, of course they're realistic. We can do it. But we need to uh, look forward to the day that it's done, the payoff, the benefits, and, uh, and that will drive us on to, to do it. But with other goals, if we fall down for a day, it's not a reason to pack up the whole thing and say, that's it, I failed. No, no. Um, you know, what, what's try, the try thing? Again. Just huh? try, try again. Just try, try again. You'll get there Try eventually. again. Or even, even, was it um, Beckett that said, um, fail again, fail better? Yeah. Okay, listen, we leave it there. Listen, Joe, have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And have a great new year to everyone listening and everyone at C103. And many happy returns to you, Mary, and the family. Thanks for that. That is Joe Heffernan. Joe runs a counselling practice uh, in Boherbui. His number is 086-834-8145-836-8145. And just on, when we were talking about... 
the uh, getting rid of uh, sweets and stuff and biscuits and getting them out of your house. Kate in Bandon says, any leftover chocolates, we put them in the freezer. It's a nice treat to have one or two in the coming weeks. And as they are frozen, you won't chomp your way through them all quickly. I'm shocked at the waste of anyone suggesting putting them in the bin, says Kate in Bandon. But our advice to everybody, if you have unopened uh, sweets and biscuits that you're not going to be eating or you don't want them in the house for temptation's sake, is to donate them to charity. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you this afternoon and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning for Wednesday's edition of the programme. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.